Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Coming up on episode 200. 200? Yes, 200. 200 of the Gifted Life. Can you imagine, Lori? 200. That's amazing. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. On this episode, we'll be talking to one donor mom and follow her journey full circle. And we're going to touch on serendipity. It's those little moments that sometimes you just can't explain. Mm, All that and more right here. Episode 200 of The Gifted Life. So I'm going to start us off today and um, I'm not going to even say much except this is going to be a very powerful, fun, and um, interesting conversation, and it's, we're going to kind of wing it. So I'm going to start it off with Libby, Libby Harrison, and she is with Family Services with LOPA, and she has been one of my mentors and taught me everything I know in Family Services, working with families. And so we're bringing her in to introduce our guest, and it all starts there. Libby, she's like Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of separation. Everybody <laughs> yes, knows it. Libby Harrison. Like two degrees. We all have a story tied to Libby in some way, shape, or form. I love it. Uh, and thanks for joining Aww. us on the podcast. And tell us about this new story you uncovered. Well, you know, I have had um, the absolute honor of supporting um, our donors' families and and getting to know our donors through their stories for like twenty years now. And it is, it, it's an incredible position to be in on a daily basis. And, you know, some of these families, or maybe it's the donors, they just kind of grab your heart and they don't let you go and you think about them. And and um, while they all matter, some of them are just more present. They're, you talk to the family a little more often, even the siblings. And after 20 years, I was pretty certain there could be no more firsts. Well, I was wrong. And we had a first over here in the last few weeks. And I guess we want to start it off with our hero's mother, um, Angie, uh, Cameron's mom. Angie, you want to kind of tell us what's been going on? Hi, this is Angie, um, Cam's mom. Since his passing, um, Lopa has been uh, extremely supportive in my journey to uh, communicate with our recipients and, you know, help us through this very hard time in our lives and making it that much easier to cope with in every way. And um, I've had the easiest experience uh, that everybody, I think anybody could ask for by uh, first meeting my right kidney recipient. And um, we met and just hit it off, uh, acted like we knew each other forever. Our families just meshed as if the We've 
been families forever. I think we will be families forever. It's just been a big part of our healing and being able to move forward in the process. And I do thank Lopa and you and the team for that because I honestly don't know how I would have gotten this far without that. It's different. I know other moms that were not able to donate, and I don't see them progressing the same way that I am. Also, coming up in the near uh, at the end of this month, meeting our heart and liver recipients, uh, which will be in the same day, wow. <laughs> uh, which we're really excited about. Uh, that kind of happened by happenstance as well, and we're really excited about that too. And we've kept in touch with both of those families, uh, FaceTime and um, Messenger and all those types of um, social media. So uh, it's, it's, it, it's helped me. It's helped my husband, my daughter. I, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. I know they, some of them have expressed that, well, we didn't know how to approach you because, you know, of survivor guilt or that we didn't know how you would react. And uh, we're just happy that, they came forward and letting us know. They show us their test results and letting us know, hey, he's doing good. And I mean, for me, that means a part of my son is living. He's still carrying on his good works. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wanted when he got his driver's license, that he decided on his own. Um, It was never thought that we'd need that, but uh, God had other plans, and um, because he came out of the room, he said, uh, Mom, I, I, I signed that uh, organ donation thing. That's okay, huh? I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. I, that's fine. Well, well we, we did that, and Lopa made it very, very easy, although it was the hardest mm-hmm. thing to do mm-hmm. at that moment to say yes to all of the eye tissue and organ donations, uh, you know, for everything that we did. But getting those numbers was just, it it just makes your heart smile. I smiled when you walked into the room because you were (laughs) glowing. You had a blue t-shirt with red lettering, which drew me in, right? Love like Cam have his face out there. We're looking at it now as we're, we're talking, like you're proud of this handsome boy. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about him? This kid. <laughs> Look at your smile. <laughs> you're, you're shining, <laughs> talking about his hands. It's glowing. He gets his beautiful, beautiful smile beautiful. from his mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how he had time to, you know, give his shoulder or his ear to all the people, all the kids that he helped and talked to because he was always at the gym training for, you know, cheerleading, but he made that time. And I get letters and texts and, you know, just hugs and, you know, approached by kids and moms and dads. Some of them I don't even know. 
and thanking me for some pretty heavy things that I would have never known about that were pretty impactful that he either saved their life or he helped their cheer career or he encouraged them back to church or whatever it was, you know, that made me really, really proud. Um, He was a mama's boy, came in every day from school Sat his big self down on my lap, as heavy as he was. I didn't say anything. Kissed me on my forehead. Didn't care if he had 20 guys behind him. He didn't care. Aww. That's his That's his mama. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was, just, he was just a good boy. Yeah. And um, he loved cheer. Cheer was life. And he did competitive cheer. Natural gift. We uh, really looked forward to um, cheering in college. His college friends still acknowledge him. Uh, all of them made um, LSU cheer, and they still put LLC for Love Like Cam oh. on their wrist tape every time they go out on the field. So they said he's still with them. Clearly, Cam was a, a hero throughout life, much before you know his passing. Uh, it's amazing to have a, it's very obvious and I know we spoke briefly before we got on air you know you mentioned how profound he was and you didn't even realize it you know certain things that he would say that would just surprise you and even the simplest thing like you know him saying that yes to donation and you like donation you know yeah, we had never talked about it right <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about when that time came? It was really a unanimous decision between my husband and my daughter um, that we would do that. He had, it was, he has strong bones. He was healthy. He worked out all the time. He ate healthy 99% of the time, <laughs> other than the frozen pizzas and Better the ramen noodles, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, he was a very strong, lean gymnast, and why let that go to waste? I mean, now, I, myself, was um, very ignorant to the whole process. I did not realize the tissue and um, I part of it. All I knew was the organ part of it, or so I thought. And I still didn't even know all of the ins and outs of that, that if even if you can't use the heart, that they can still use a valve or they can use that for educational purposes or whatever. I didn't know it went that far, you know. And so to hear the actual number of people that he either saved or impacted by his gifts of donation was astounding, uh, I, and again, uh, another smile of pride, uh, you know, you and tell, right yeah. there, I'm going to loop Libby back in because I think that's where that journey began. You know, we, we love hearing about Cam and, um, but you and Libby met over the phone. Mm-hmm. And so Libby, you can kind of take it from here to share how that kind of works. Well, I mean, in the beginning, all we really know about the recipients is, is their gender and their age range. And that's all we can share with the family. But with bone and tendon, ligaments, the tissue, what we call tissue donation, it takes us close to a year. But that specialized agency that creates the grafts 
from these donated gifts can give us a number of people that that their lives are going to be impacted by those gifts. And it's amazing what a tissue donor does. They, they don't get the accolades they need because they don't make movies about tissue donors, but they should because Cam's going to impact, what, 64 people or something like that? Yes, I mean, it's a huge gift. It's a huge gift. When I When I have conversations that are so powerful and emotional like like I have had with Angie I do call Nyla and say okay I, I gotta I gotta tell you about this this is incredible and she does the same thing so Cam gets talked about more than you think Angie <laughs> oh, my sweet boy to hear these stories and for you to take your time and I mean it's a gift it's a gift back to us to, to hear about Cam and to hear how donation has impacted your own grief journey. And so we like to continue that because what we do here is a 24, seven day a week through the holidays, trying to support families. And um, so to, to know you're, you're there and that, that this is important to you, it helps us too. So thank you. And is this the first time you've shared Cam's story like in an, with an audience? Uh, no, actually, it's not. But as many times as I can, I'll talk about it all day, every day, if I can. I mean, I just feel it's that important that people know how impactful it is. And I mean, after meeting my recipients and learning their side of the journey and their struggles and their you know, constant hospitalizations and their illnesses and, you know, the being on the brink of doom. I mean, and then along comes this gift and it's amazing. I mean, that's what makes me feel so good. I mean, yeah, it's sad. It's all sad, but it's good because... I get to see this young lady here live a a good life, a happy life, a normal life, and I get to be with her all the time, anytime I want, (laughs) which makes me happy. When being happy is what helps me heal. Yeah. So that's that's what's part of it, a big part of it for, for me, for my whole family. Well, and that makes it so unique. That um, the circumstances that we're in right now, because Libby, it was kind of like when you said this young lady here, I was thinking, oh, Libby, want to share? Yeah. (laughs) What comes next in this story? Well, I was actually talking to Angie several weeks ago. Um, I don't even remember what the purpose of that call was. Um, (laughs) Just to visit, I guess. Angie reminds me. Yeah, I think you were checking in. Yeah, I mean, Angie has just reminded me of my grief journey and my boy's story, her her and Cameron's relationship and Cam's personality just has reminded me of us. But anyway, just visiting with her and she's so excited that she's going to go visit the heart recipient. And then she started talking about Brooke and going to her wedding and what a wonderful family they are and how they just connected like they've known each other forever And then she says, oh, by the way, Brooke, you want to tell us the by the way? (laughs) Hey, Brooke. Hi. (laughs) Um, My name is Brooke Sharp. I am Cam's right kidney recipient. 
Um, I had my transplant September 16th of 2021. And then, you know, we, I just from, um, life experience, I kind of knew that we weren't going to know anything about the donor immediately. Um, the doctors, the nurses, everyone was, um, very open with us that it could be up to a year before we heard anything. And that was if the family wanted to reach out. So from my end of it, I was like, wow, this is like one of the best days of my life. But I'm, you know, at that same time, I was hurting for another family that I didn't even know. And so the transplant went phenomenal. Um, they called it a unicorn kidney the whole time I was in the wow, hospital. Yeah. And it was it was truly amazing. Um, and then it was April 18th of this year, to be exact. I had gotten a call from my transplant social worker at Oshner. And she was like, hey, um, we have, you know, your donor family reached out. They wrote you a letter. And I immediately broke down in tears. I was like, wait, what? Like, it's only been, it, it hadn't even been that long. And so anyway, um, you know, she said they had the letter. And I asked, I was like, well, can you tell me anything? Like, can you tell me anything about the donor? And she said, well, do you want me to read the letter to you? Like, over the phone? I was like, um, absolutely. So she read the letter to me. I'm squalling the entire time. Um, it was a letter that, you know, Miss Angie had written to the recipients. And at the end, she had put, you know, if you want to know more about Cam, uh, Love Like Cam was a hashtag that was very widely used after his passing. And so immediately before she even finished the sentence, I was looking it up on Facebook <laughs> and, you know, found Cam, found his story. Um, and it was a lot. It was, you know, I'm an older sibling and I, you know, kind of connected that with my younger siblings and it was just, it was crazy. So then my, um, fiance at the time, now husband got home from work and I met him at his truck door and he, <laughs> he knows that's either really good or really bad. Right. <laughs> so I showed him the picture of Cam's obituary and still squalling and he was like who is that and I was like that's my donor so we immediately go into this rabbit hole of who was Cam and the stories that we saw I'm just like still uh, astounded by it so often that it it's just amazing to me so um <laughs> very outside of protocol I reached out to Miss Angie via Facebook Messenger, actually, and had sent her this message. And I, I didn't really know what to say. So it probably just sounded like I was rambling. And then I was like, okay, now we just sit and wait. <laughs> well, we let about 24 hours go by and it never said delivered. So I was like, staring at my phone all the time, um, waiting. And so the next day, I essentially sent the same message to Miss Angie's daughter and, you know, kind of changed some of the wording. But then I immediately heard back from her. And so that was April 18th and 19th that this was happening. And then 
I, you know, we were all very much like wanting to meet each other and know more about each other's stories. And so on May 1st, we met up at a Starbucks and we all sat there and talked for probably three and a half hours. Like I can see it. We, <laughs> we did. And we all just connected and it was just there. Oh, and so um, we asked them to come to our wedding. My it, my stepdad and my mom and my fiance at the time were uh, there with me. And our wedding was May 28th. So less than a month of knowing each other, they they still showed up for us and they were so supportive and so happy to be there and sat with immediate family because that's what they are to us now. Mm, yeah. And so it was a really, really um, big deal. And now I'll just get on the phone and talk with Miss Angie sometimes for an hour about nothing. <laughs> but about <Never> everything. <laughs> no, it's always. It's, it's always a, like in between an hour to two hours. And we're like, okay, we have to get something accomplished like, today. Uh, gotta go now. Yeah. But let me tell you, when you guys saw each other today, there was a room full of people. But when you guys connected, there was nobody else in the room. And it was so fun to watch that. It's like you guys belong together. So Libby, I'm sure you can feel what we're feeling um, here. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Where are you on this story now? Well, as Angie and I were talking, she said when she's talking about Brooke and this and that and whatever, and I, I know Cam's recipients' names, first and last name. Um, I also Part of my job is to uh, give the orientation, the family aftercare piece orientation to our new hires. And Angie says, well, um, Brooks, Brooks just started working for Lopa. And I said, wait, <laughs> Brooke? I didn't know who Brooke Sharp was. That didn't ring a bell because I knew her by her maiden name or knew her name. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, there we go. Ding, ding, ding. This is a first. I've never, this is, this is the gift of life full circle. I mean, now Brooke's going to be here and offer this wondrous opportunity to other families. And it's just amazing to me that they met, they became extended family and now, Brooke, we're honored to have Brooke work for us. How wonderful is that? It's just, that's never happened before. Another first, you know, when, of course, uh, in my role, I see a lot of the, uh, lot of the candidates come across through resumes and things like that. And, uh, and I remember having a conversation. That was the first time we had gotten a recommendation from a donor mom of of uh, the recipient for the recipient. <laughs> so, really, wow. that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of firsts, and uh, and talk about full circle. You know, uh, we talk about it all the time on this on this podcast of of paying it forward. And uh, and both of you guys are an amazing, you know, part of that. And it's it's to to see how you guys have bonded. Of course, now Brooke, you know, being the chief clinical officer, I have to say. You know, you can't promote those things to the recipients and the donor <laughs> families <laughs> now that you work with Lopa. <laughs> we got to work through uh, Libby and Nyla. Uh, you know, and you know, with... Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, just with the correspondence, and I always tell families that LOPA does not edit out any contact information, whatever you want to include, but many of the transplant centers and OPOs will, so it may be that your phone number won't make it to the recipient. So when I got Angie's letter and I saw that hashtag, I thought, hmm, I wonder how many recipients are going <laughs> to know what that is. <laughs> She knew, and that was all that mattered. That's right. I felt bad because when she said she she waited and waited and waited, that was not because I didn't want to reach out. That was just because I'm a dinosaur, and I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know to look at the uh, messenger. It was nothing against look at, you know responding <laughs> by any means. It's like me. I'll see the messenger and still not know what to do with it. So <laughs> yeah, I was just like, once I got Our that, now Lord. I'm like, I'm looking on it. I'm like, I'm <laughs> making sure you don't miss. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> well, and whenever I saw that, I knew that it hadn't been looked at yet because of how you know the it'll say like either sent or delivered or read or whatever it was so I knew it never even got to delivered I was like there she hasn't seen it so um I at least was following that quite closely (laughs) and I love that you guys went to the wedding so incredible milestones because of your boy so what's that like for you mom watching her reach these milestones and live life It was so incredible, not only because she's like a daughter to me now. (laughs) But it it seems that way when you guys are around. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and and this may sound really weird, but, um, you know, I go through all the things that, and I shouldn't do this, but I think about all the things that Cam did not get to do. You know, he did not get to graduate. He didn't get to go off to college. He did, you know, all the things he won't get to do in life. And one of the things was get married. And in my mind, he get, he got married, you know, because he was with her. So that gave me a lot of comfort that he got married. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't even get all crazy, you know, emotional like I do a lot of times. And the whole, when I tell you the entire family, when, when they know, when they knew who we were. That's what I was going to say. Did everybody know? Once they figured out who we were, they one by one came up to us, thanked us. They said they were praying for us. They gave us hugs. They just, I mean, in the nicest, most genuine way ever that you could imagine. I mean, we never felt more comfortable at basically a stranger's wedding than ever. You know, it's kind of like a wedding crasher, you know, except for her and Trey. You know, just hearing you share that and, and, you know, Brooke, we didn't even get to hear before camp, like prior to camp, you had a life. And what was that like? So it was, it was different, but uh, to make a very 25-year-long story short, um, I was born without kidneys. So they were hypoplastic, dysplastic, and agenesis. So I had one that I have called my chicken nugget kidney because that's about what size it was, and um, it only had 3% function. So my mom and dad did uh, peritoneal dialysis uh, with me for the first two years of my life, and then um, like two months, yeah, it was two months after I turned two, I had my first transplant from my mom. 
So for exactly one month shy of 20 years, I I had a kidney and I was as normal as I could be. You know, my parents never let me think that I was any different and I never felt any different. Um, and then in 2018, I started going into kidney failure and it was just my nephrologist explained it to us as it's just getting tired. <laughs> so, which um, also they originally told my parents it would only last five to eight years and then it lasted for 20. 20 yeah. yeah. So in December of 2018, I started dialysis and that was that was kind of um, it was kind of a wall for me because at the time I was going to school full time, I was working full time, um, I stayed going nothing to nothing all the time. So I moved back home with my mom uh, for a little while, and about six months after I started dialysis, I met Trey, and so we started dating, and but. We were still, like, everything was revolved around dialysis three days a week. Um, I slept a lot. I still didn't really work full time. Um, but I did. I took off school for a little while. Um, and then in April of, t- of 2019, in April of 2019, we found out that my stepmom was a match. And it was actually April 18th of 2019, which is crazy that two years later, that was when I met um, or heard from Miss Angie. And anyway, so through the process, you know, we're still doing dialysis because we were waiting on her to get like officially approved. Well, it there were some extra steps that had to be taken and... Um, later that year in November, uh, we found out that she, she was a match. We were good to go. And just for some, um, scheduling purposes, we did this, the transplant was scheduled for March 16th of 2020. Well, in February of 2020, um, because I'd been on dialysis for so long, my antibodies had changed and they no longer matched hers. So they canceled oh, on no. February 22nd. They canceled my transplant. <laughs> well, March 16th was the day the world shut down for COVID, um, which was supposed to be my transplant day. So we continued on um, going. I went back to school. Um, I decided I was going to finish regardless. So I was um, going to school online to finish my bachelor's degree in social work. I graduated in November of 2020, still doing dialysis three days a week. So that was that was kind of just our life. That's what we revolved it around. That's what we revolved vacations around. I I did dialysis in Cancun in May of last year, um, which was terrifying. But and then um, came September and it was it was a very weird um, day because I was actually I'd gotten some messages from Oshner that said basically my blood had been tested um, because I was part of the cross match program, but I didn't know that I was going to be getting messages 
every time my blood was tested. So I'd get one message that said um, three out of six of the things matched and one was, you know, something else. And so I called my coordinator and I was like, am I supposed to be doing something about this? She was like, oh, no, like just every time they test your blood, they're going to um, – they're going to send you a message. I was like, oh, great. Okay. So uh, about an hour and a half later, the living coord- the living donor coordinator from Oshner called me. And she said, hey, have you eaten yet today? I was like, yeah, I just ate about 30 minutes ago. She said, okay, don't eat after 12 <laughs> because we think we have a kidney for you. Um, they're going to start testing in a couple hours. I was like, okay, like you sound very nonchalant about this. So anyway, long story short, that was probably the longest, fastest day of our life. And by nine o'clock that night, I was in surgery. And anyone who knows anything about creatinine levels, um, mine went from 10.2 to 1.7 within 30 hours of having Cam's kidney. And I remember the very first thing I said whenever I woke up in recovery, I was I kind of looked at the nurse and I said, is it working? And she showed me proof that um, it was working quite well. So um, that day, that was on a Thursday. So that Wednesday before was my last dialysis treatment that's been over a year now. So it's it's been amazing. And just in Miss Angie and... Her husband and her daughter, you know, they came over to our house to celebrate our one, my one year, um, my one year with Cam, you know, and I, I talked to him. I swear, like, he really is part of me now. He is on my refrigerator at home with a Love Like Cam sticker. You know, we, we have truly bonded as a family and, you know, I've, I've been so blessed because I know that not all donor families are so receptive of recipients you know and want to meet them and especially to be a part of their life and you know it's just it's truly been amazing and I just the connection that I have with their family has been and the connection I have with Cam is kind of weird I just I tell people (laughs) like he's my best friend I just didn't get to meet so I wish you could see everybody uh, in the room we do have some tears but Angie you just Look at Brooke with such pride, love. I feel it. Me too. Wow. I mean, it is. You just, it's its joy. It's its pain. It's love. It's just, it's its beautiful story. Thank y'all for sharing. I could really stay in here like all day <laughs> with y'all. And I sometimes have to remind myself because like we're on a podcast. Like this is, we're talking. But um, Libby, I'm glad you called Nyla that day. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And it was, she said, Libby, this would make a great podcast. And I said, yes, email them. <laughs> what do you think about hearing all this unfold today, Libs? It, uh, it's, it's just listening to them. It, it, it just brings such joy to my heart that, that Lopa helped these two beautiful ladies find each other and fill their hearts with love it's it's an incredible relationship and um it'll be lifelong i mean it'll be forever yes it will 
Final thoughts, Miss Angie? I'm just grateful for LOPA and for my recipients. And um, I just hope that we can help others and encourage others to sign up for organ, eye, and tissue donation. That would be great. And Ms. Brooke, you're here at LOPA. You're serving as a family advocate, so you're helping other families uh, through hard times, and you're helping to make life happen for others. Um, Final thoughts today? If I'm able to be a part of anyone's story that's even remotely close to mine and Miss Angie's, because, you know, we've both been very, neither one of us have been oblivious to the fact, like, this doesn't happen for everyone. You know, not everyone especially gets this type of relationship between a donor and a a donor family and a recipient. And if I can be a part of anyone's story in any kind of way ever, then I will feel like I have (laughs) achieved my goal. Honoring Cam Calamari here on the Gifted Life podcast. You can uh, see his picture. You can read a story on our heroes page, lopa.org. We want to leave you with this. Go out and love like Cam. Here on The Gifted Life, we're taking a moment for mental health. Yeah, Nyla, what you talking about serendipity? <laughs> I just like saying the word yes, serendipity. So fun. <laughs> yeah, there was a movie, what, 2001 mm-hmm, with it? Yeah, I watched yeah. that movie. I don't remember. I need to watch it again. But, you know, I, serendipity. Okay, so people might say happenstance. You might say uh, good, smart luck, good luck, a fluke, blessing, whatever it might be. But it all kind of comes back to the same thing. It's these moments that you just cannot you just didn't know that they were going to happen. And I think, like, our story that we just finished, I mean, that's serendipity to me. So Libby calls me, says, hey, I, you want to hear a great story? I say yes. And then, um, beautiful story. I call Kirsten and uh, Shalon, and they're like, oh, what a great story. And then, so 200th episode, I think we didn't have somebody for that show. And they're like, wouldn't that be great? But it's the next week. So we, we don't even know that we can put all this together. And sure enough, it did. It happened. And so and it was so great. <laughs> yes. And guess what? Guess was who like Brooke was going to be in here with us on this day on our 200th episode by chance. Serendipity. Fortuitous. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like, you know, sometimes people can, oh, let me take back up. So in Britain, Britain, they did a study and they had two people, one person considered unlucky, one person considered himself lucky. And so they had this setup where they put $5 outside of a bar and they put a person inside the bar who sat near um, the, the, the registry. And so the unlucky person walks in, never sees the $5 bill, gets his coffee or whatever his drink of choice was, never said hello to the man that was sitting there trying to make eye contact with them, and left. So they interviewed this man at the end of the day, and he said, my day was same-o, same-o, nothing nothing special. Well, then the man who considered himself lucky, he went in, he immediately saw the $5 bill, he went up, ordered his drink, turned around, ended up sitting next to the man who was staged, and they have a great conversation. He says farewell, goes home, they interview the man after, and the lucky man says, I had a great day, I found five five dollars and I made a new friend. What is that? Yep. 
that is noticing what's happening around, around you. you. Smell and, the roses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? If you don't have it, if you find that you're you know, tend to think of yourself as unlucky or maybe missing a lot of moments that make a day special, that life special, then um, there's some things that you can do. And some things such are, don't underestimate the likelihood of what's to be expected. So wake up looking for wonderful things to happen. Um, Number two is just don't airbrush away all the things in your life as something that that didn't happen. So it's almost like justifying why something happened or explaining it away. It's just an airbrush that, oh, that's so silly. I don't know why that happened. Um, Because you missed these moments. And then third, are you functionally fixed? Which just means that you'd rather do it the hard way than look around and figure out, is there a better way to do this? Um, Do you know penicillin was serendipity? Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of wonderful things out there that happen, and it's because we're looking for that that special moment in life. And, and our story today is very, very serendipitous because I think how it all came together is beautiful, and nobody could have put those pieces together. Right. That's how I'd like to look at it. I call it a God wink, but blessed serendipity. I like it. Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover. Email us at info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, I know you can be a tissue donor, but what is donated tissue actually used for? Lots of things. The list goes on. The list is, it would take too long for me to answer and like think about every single purpose, but I'll go over just a few. Obviously, a lot of times when I have gotten asked the question, uh, about tissue donation, most people think of skin, and they, you know they'll say, "Oh, you guys recover tissue too, like skin, like for burn patients." And that's always that's usually the go-to, like skin for burn patients. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things, and uh, well, actually, one tissue donor. I'll start with this: can actually enhance the lives of 75 patients mm-hmm. by by one person saying yes and donating. And and the reason is, and I'll kind of rattle off a few, going from kind of top to bottom. So the corneas can be donated and can actually give sight to two different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, tendons is one of those, you know, I mentioned skin is, is kind of well thought of. Tendons is kind of underthought of, like people don't really think about that. But uh, there's a lot of joint repairs that require tendons from what we call allograft and from donated tissue. Uh, valves, if the heart can't be used for heart transplant, the valves can be used, three different uh, transplants, tissue transplants can come from that, repairing uh, different cardiac defects that t- uh, take place. Uh, veins can be used to, to restore circulation. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, skin with, with the burn patients, a, a few different reasons for skin as well. And then last but not least, you know, the, the, the one tissue that we recover the most, most often, uh, the bones, uh, and that can restore mobility after major injuries. Yeah, so many things. And I think when I started at, at Lopa, we were saying 50. And then mm-hmm. over the course of all of these years, 
the more we know, right? And, yeah. and the number continues to grow. So 75, which is pretty neat. And, you know, I always tell families, if you can imagine a tissue transplant just changes the the quality of life for mm-hmm. someone. So someone who has a back injury may not be able to, to work. And so to have a tissue transplant can give them back that quality of life to go back to work. It changes their life and everybody around them. So it's it's huge. It's huge. Great thing. You can go to our website, lopa.org, and do some research um, of your own if you'd like to do that. And maybe you have a question you'd like for us to field here on The Gifted Life. You can do that, too. Give us a call, 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Cam Calamari, and we learn about Cam from his mom, Angie. Hi, I'm Angie. I'm Cam's mom. Cam was born on Christmas Day, and he thought that was the coolest thing. Couldn't wait until they started playing Christmas music on the radio. A gigantic cookie cake on Christmas Eve with the family was always a must. He was your Typical boy growing up, climbing trees, never afraid of heights. Of course, he loved playing video games too. He was practically famous for his participation in talent shows at school and always insisted on being the finale because he wanted to be the showstopper, and he was. He was not a picky eater. He was always willing to try new foods. Of course, his favorites were ramen noodles, steak, sushi, and homemade chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) He was a natural born athlete in the sport of cheer. He advanced so quickly, um, sometimes he was on three competitive teams at one time. Cheer was life and that's where he made so many friends. It was those friends that he bonded with and protected so much. Even if you met him five minutes ago, he would act as if he knew you a lifetime. He loved being a shoulder to cry on and to lean on. I think his big heart, he believed he could solve the whole world's problems if given the chance. He had a silly laugh and the tightest hugs you could ever imagine. He has an older sister and two nephews and one niece that he was named Paran, godfather to. They all called him Unky. Now his selfless legacy lives on and hoping others will also choose to become organ donors and to love like Cam. We'll take a moment to pause and say thank you to Cam for the gift of life. That is going to do it for episode 200 guys of the gifted life 200 Lori, can you imagine that's a hundred months and if you go back and listen to the first one my how we've all grown oh yes <laughs> don't listen to the first uh, one but our mission <laughs> our heart our goal has remained the same and that is to just create another resource for us to talk about organ tissue eye donation to save more lives to make life happen to connect with our partners across the world really and we have succeeded in that thanks to all of you for listening Nyla we appreciate you joining our crew midstream and, so excited and helping to jump in get us like to right 200. at 200 yeah, yeah. And, and, so and great help us get to the 400 from here right <laughs> I like that guys can't thank you uh, enough. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Remember, you can register anytime as an organ, eye, and tissue donor at registerme.org. And also, special thanks to all our guests today that made this 200th episode so special. 
uh, Libby Harrison, Angie Calamari, and Brooke Sharp. It was such an amazing, like, uh, dynamic, right. you know, of course, with, with Libby and, and Angie getting together. And then, and it's funny from our standpoint as, as a co host, it was so easy. We were like, all right, you next. <laughs> <laughs> it just flowed. It was meant just, to be. It was very much meant to be. I'm glad you took that call, Nyla. Yeah. And I'm glad you no made doubt. more calls after that to get us where we are. Serendipity. 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 The best place to find us, guys, at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, oh, we are on Pandora, too. Dun, dun, dun. New. <laughs> and like if it. you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find us on the podcast. Yeah, on social, you can like our page on Facebook. It's called The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Thanks for listening. Hard to believe we're at episode 200. Thanks for hanging with us and thanks for helping us grow. Our ask is that you share what you learn here on The Gifted Life and that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Until next time. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Nyla Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>